Hello, I'm Scott Sash. And I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Today, we begin with, well, you know what I've got to start with. I, I know you, Mr. Detroit, Mr. I, but this is, this is one time where you're going to be a literal motormouth. Yes, I am. Let's hear it. Daytona, baby. Daytona. Oh, I'm ex- I, I'm excited. That's why I love February. Sunday is the Daytona 500. Alex Bowman, who is now in the car where Dale Earnhardt Jr. used to drive, he's in it now. Let me ask you this, though. You are a NASCAR fan. We know yes. this. Hardcore NASCAR fan. If I went outside right now to Lexington Avenue in Midtown Manhattan, and stopped 50 people, the first 50 people that went by, and asked them, what's on the sports highlight calendar this weekend? What are the major events happening on the sports calendar? What are you going to watch? How many of 50 know the Daytona 500 is happening and will watch it? You know what they will say is the top sports event? Pitchers and catchers. Or the Olympics. Or the Olympics. Olympics. Right, or the yeah. Olympics. They know that. I mean, the there's Olympics a, is hard to miss. There's a game on Saturday. Yeah, well, <laughs> we, we, said, we said top sports <laughs> on the calendar. I, I have not seen much buzz about the Daytona 500. Why is that? Well, part of that is because you don't have the real big names that have gone away. I mean, yes, you still have Jimmy Johnson. You still have Kevin Harvick. You still have the Bush brothers. Beyond that, you have a bunch of young drivers coming up. And I bet a lot of people couldn't even tell you who won the championship last season. Well, in all, in all fairness, wait, in all fairness, if you asked me who won the World Series, who won, like, if you asked me, I'm like, wait, I'd have to stop and think about it because we're old at this point. I'm just wondering, from the marketing perspective, where are the dollars spent? Are you trying to get your hardcore fan to stick and come, or how are you generating new fans? Are kids finding NASCAR? Because if they are, I don't know how. Maybe it's I'm in New York, so they're not trying, they're not targeting me, but I just haven't heard anything about the Daytona 500. Maybe it's a hard thing that it starts the season, that you have this marquee event is the very start of your season. Nobody's talking NASCAR. It's not a buildup to an event like the Super Bowl. It's the huge event at the start. Well, they always used to call it the Super Bowl starts right at the beginning of the NASCAR season. By the way, Martin Truex Jr., I got you back. I know it's you. Don't worry. I'm good. We got you. But you're right. A lot of people don't know. And eventually, I mean, it's it's going to grow again. But we just have to grow the stars in the sport. Yeah, and I think part of it, Scott, they're not marketing you. You know, it's a this is a largely regional and cultural uh, sport. And... Yeah, growing up in New York City and living in New York City and raising a son here is not the is, you're not the demographic that they're. He that should they're love this. For. He should want to get in a NASCAR. He should have little cars and go karts and getting him into it. They, he could do that. The the best known NASCAR driver, Danica Patrick, is, is racing in her final Daytona, Daytona. right? It's final I, Daytona. You haven't heard anything really. We're not about supposed that. to root, but I'd love to see her win. Would love to. You guys have a big breaking story involving Derek Jeter and the Miami Marlins. Yeah, we all know, Michael, that uh, the business side of the Marlins is not the easiest thing to do right now. They're losing about $40 million a year. They paid $1.2 billion for the franchise. They've got to get revenue up. So what did Derek Jeter do? He looked across the country to a successful team, the Golden State Warriors, and he's plucking their chief marketing officer. Chip Bowers is going from Golden State to Miami to be the president of business operations, he will run everything on the business side, 
reporting to Derek Jeter. This is the kind of person they needed to have with this franchise. Talk about a change of venue for for Mr. Chip Bowers. You're going from the the best basketball team in, in the world for the past couple of years, printing money, revenue rolling in. Easy why, 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 one more job. thing. One more thing. You're marketing, by the way. Who's on your team? Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Yeah. Kevin Durant. Durant. Clay Thompson. You've got global stars. And you're moving into a new building in San Francisco. Talk about momentum that behind the wind behind your back. Now it's headwinds. You just trade Giancarlo Stanton. You've got headwinds now in a new job. But why take the job then? I'd like to see what the zeros are, but maybe it's one of those situations when I will ask Chip this when he's available. I mean, this hasn't been announced yet, but it will be by the time this airs. Uh, I'd like to ask Chip that exact question. Why? And perhaps there are just no more challengers. Perhaps Rick Welts, the CEO of the Warriors, firmly entrenched in that job, doesn't plan on moving on. And if he hopes to do something more and bigger, he had to try something else. Let's talk about something that has happened in soccer. We have a new president. Talk about uh, tough jobs. Who wants this job? Uh, Carlos Cordero. <laughs> well, a bunch uh, of people new, wanted the job. Uh, Twelve people. Uh, yeah. Uh, the the new head of U.S. Soccer succeeding uh, Sunil Gulati, uh, who decided not to run again after a very public uh, failure of the U.S. national team to qualify for the World Cup later this year. Um, Cordero is a former Goldman Sachs guy. He was Sunil Gulati's right hand man for the past couple years. There was certainly a lot of conversation that. Uh, you needed someone who wasn't an insider to kind of come in and, and, and reshape U.S. soccer from the ground up. In the end, he got the vote of the players block. Uh, he got a lot of support, obviously. Well, explain that, though, that sure. the, the players block. Yeah. They, there was one entity mm-hmm. that tried to, ahead of time, decide where to push all its the support. players council is is the entity uh, and some and folks a, made the group. vote some folks didn't some go. folks did not come in some there one of the women flew in from from England a day before she had to fly back to play in a game there are some MLS guys who are playing in, in exhibition games who did not make the trip uh, but the players block which votes in unison and, and controls I think 12 to 15 percent 20 percent 20 percent of the vote, of the yeah. vote. Um, they voted for Cordero and that was probably the biggest impetus for him reaching the the end in the way that he did. Um, but if you look at the, the group he's inheriting, U.S. soccer obviously has a lot of problems at the national team level. It needs a coach. He's running, helping run a World Cup bid uh, for 2026 between Canada, Mexico, and U.S. There are a number of lawsuits against uh, U.S. soccer uh, by NASL. There's, there's a lot going on in this organization right now, outside of the fact that obviously soccer in America needs new leadership. Uh, he has a lot to focus on in this first couple of weeks. And one of the basic things from some of the other people who were running were just saying, we can't have this divide about making young American soccer players feel bad if they want to go play in Europe. Some people, folks, they should stay in MLS, grow the home league. But if you want to develop them for the national team, some people are of the mind they've got to get out of here. Go. Go play in the Bundesliga. Go play in the EPL. You cannot stay here. And part of the problem of that is the, the very close business relationship between U.S. soccer and MLS, which does not exist anywhere else in the world. The, the, the English soccer governing body is not closely tied to the Premier League. They're totally separate. In the U.S., uh, they're under the same entity. Uh, and for that reason, sure, U.S. soccer has maybe a bit more of an interest in keeping the star American stars here at MLS because they are financially uh, and business-wise involved with MLS. But it comes down to two things. One, let's talk about Cordero. He needs a lot of support. I don't know how much support he's going to get because what you just said, Evan, that the, the sport really needs a big boost. And two... What you had mentioned, Scott, about players wanting to go to Europe, it comes down to coin. It always comes down to coin until you can pay the best. Yeah, 
But there's a lot of issues. This certainly is a fractured marketplace here. There were a lot of people throwing their hat in the ring. Hope Sola, one of them. She was pointing out conflicts of interest. She was saying, I'm not getting a fair shake. Others were making their cases. But in the end, this guy is the establishment vote, so to speak. So how much change is U.S. soccer in for when you take the right-hand man? Remains to be seen, but everybody sort of kind of agreed there needs to be change. And how do we evaluate him? Do we just evaluate him on the on the, the men's national team making the World Cup? We obviously have one of the best, if not the best, women's national teams in the country. They're upset with their pay. They feel like it is not uh, requisite with what they're earning and what they're bringing into U.S. soccer. And then there's the whole grassroots adult and, and, and development level uh, that has felt very cut off from U.S. soccer in the years under Sunil Gulati. There's just a lot of things that he needs to deal with, some of which are not obvious uh, as much as not making the, the men's World Cup. This is one of those things, if you're one of a, if you're one of his friends, you say, congratulations, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Enjoy your new gig. He and Chip Bowers can talk about yeah, exactly. it. He and Chip can say, yeah, wow, this, was, this is a little difficult. We have got to talk about the Olympics. And you know how I knew I was in the Olympics? My wife and wait, I. Wait, wait, wait! How you you were in the Olympics? Yeah, wow. I, that was me. Did I not was, know that. I was Eddie the Flying <laughs> Dutchman. News. Remember that guy? <laughs> Ooh, it was cold out there. Yeah. You know the guy who almost uh, you know died in a snowbank. <laughs> yeah. Michael Barr. Now I I got into it. My wife and I are sitting on the couch, and we're watching figure skating, and somebody falls down, and both at the same time we gasp, <laughs> and that's when I realized, oh my goodness. I am into the Olympics now. The and rare NASCAR figure skating. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, and what was it? Was it a, a triple toe loop, a, a quad? A, what? I mean, we have the U.S. figure skater landing a triple for the first time. How much publicity does this buy you? What's coming out of these Olympics? Because these are not name stars going in. Outside of Chen, Schifrin, Vaughn, Vaughn yeah. who else was a known commodity Flying Tomato, of course, going into these Olympics. What do you get? Even if you win a gold medal, what sort of staying power, lasting lasting fan affinity is there for somebody who wins in these Olympics? Well, no. I mean, no, it doesn't make a difference whether it's the Winter Olympics or the Summer Olympics. Keep in mind, you've had athletes, Muhammad Ali, obviously. I mean, you know, he was in the Olympics back when he was Cassius Clay, obviously. And he had staying power. You have many others. So yeah, Do you see some. anybody in these games who you'd like to compare from a personality standpoint, from a pizzazz standpoint, <laughs> to Cassius Clay? All right, uh, touche. I but feel like I we're mean... going to get into a coming to America. <laughs> Every time, don't bring up Rocky Marciano. <laughs> yeah, I think the point <laughs> – I'll take over for Bar here. I think the point he's trying to make is that uh, – Everybody has their first breakout moment, right? And, and Michaela Schifrin's came at the Olympics four years ago. Um, but I, have, I sort of feel like there was some, again, wind behind her going into the game. Sure. And take this 18-year-old snowboarder, for example, Red Gerard, who won America's first gold yeah. medal yep. over the weekend. Um, he's got a few sponsors. I imagine there's going to be a lot more already. I think so. He's the feel-good story of the games from an American perspective. Now, we're three, games, three days in, sure, so that could change. I'm going to say to you, yeah. on the last day of the Olympics. What was that guy's what name? What was that guy? Guy's name well, he, that that won the first medal, and I want to see if tip of your tongue. Oh, there he is! If he if he was sitting next to me, I wouldn't know this guy. Sure, but but from his perspective, he doesn't need Scott Soschnick in New York to know his name, right? If he can get enough snowboarding and winter sports sponsors out of a gold medal.
medal that he probably was not supposed to win this young in his career. So, uh, is if the he day, can get that out of this, that is a massive success. For so him. has the day gone by then where you're hoping to be the big time international brand, whatever, that if you can succeed in the endemic sponsors that's good enough. Yes, I think that okay. I mean and that's, you know that's that, fair that's fair enough. And as you know in the Olympic uh, Olympic sports they're, they're not relevant really. Most of them are not relevant in the 4 years between the Olympics. Uh, so this is really the most this is the most important race. In a social media age some, but from a business they, standpoint. These also. agents and marketing executives these people have to learn how to cut through the clutter and make themselves stand out. Good bad whatever. You need to make yourself stand out. By the way, you know who likes curling? My favorite sport in the oh. Olympics? Mr. T. Mr. T likes curling. I pity the fool. Curling is the early champion of the Olympics so far, in yeah. my opinion. That's the yeah. breakout star. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, cur- curling has it always seems to be the cool, fun thing everybody likes to watch and discuss. And and mixed mixed doubles curling has has added a funner, shorter version of it. Yeah, doesn't hurt when the New York Times does a feature on kind of the new tech broom. I didn't know that existed, but now I do. Yep. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Soschnick and Eben Noby-Williams. We are here each and every Monday and Friday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us at the end of the week when we speak with the biggest influencers in the game. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast on iTunes. 